You're listening to the Ultimate Game Faces Podcast with your host, Rich Key, delivering insight into the fascinating life stories of his featured guests. I'm pleased to welcome our guest, Jillian Larson. At the age of three, she was drawn to adventure and challenge. At 13, she was committed to making a difference in people's lives. At the age of 61, after 20 applications over an eight-year period, she became one of eight over the age of 60 to play on CBS's iconic series, Survivor. It was in 2008, after years of exhaustive training and preparation, Jillian's efforts pay off when she is selected to compete in Season 17 of Survivor, held in Gabon, Africa. However, to the disappointment of Jillian, her family, and friends, the following takes place early in the competition. If anybody has the Hidden Immunity Idol and you want to play it, now would be the time to do so. Okay, once the votes are read, the decision is final. Person voted out will be asked to leave the Tribal Council area immediately. I'll read the votes. First vote, Jillian. Kenny, one vote Jillian, one vote Kenny. Jillian. Two votes, Jillian. One vote, Ken. Jillian, that's three votes, Jillian. One vote, Ken. Jillian, that's four votes, Jillian. One vote, Ken. Second person voted out of Survivor Gabon. Jillian, that's five. That's enough. Need to bring me your torch. Jillian, the tribe has spoken. Time for you to go. Bye, guys. Good luck. As Albert Einstein once said, a person who never made a mistake never tried anything new. Jillian, the brief failure led you to your greatest success. Please explain to us. Oh my gosh, I so remember. It was such a disappointing moment to see my torch getting snuffed out during my stint, short stint on Survivor. However, what I didn't know was as my flame of Survivor was being extinguished, the flame of what became a fairly significant charity event, um, that was ignited. And that has burned fiercely for the past 10 years due to the help of so many people. So, yeah, it was, I just took that thorough disappointment and turned it into something so much more significant than me being on Survivor uh, would have ever been. So, yeah, that's the flame that's been going, and that's one of the flames that keeps me going. And uh, thank you for asking that, Rich. I really appreciate that. Jillian, please go into a little detail about Reality Rally and its um, blueprint and what it does. Well, uh, after that disappointment, I was still in the jungle of Gabon because you don't leave 
And I kept thinking, what can I use this experience for? There had to be a reason why I tried so hard to get on Survivor. Um, and I suddenly realized that I had something in my hand uh, that I could use my, what people think of many celebrity, um, to raise funds for charity by inviting reality stars who I now became part of this reality world um, to come to Temecula, which is my town, to help raise money for Michelle's place. So in my grandiose thinking process, I thought this could be three days worth of fun, unique fun, unique events uh, that would promote our town, uh, encourage people to come and help us raise money, and it's all for Michelle's Place. And Michelle's Place is a cancer resource center that I had heard about several years prior to that, um, and, and we could just have fun in Temecula. So I thought, okay, what can we do? And again, it was always a we because I knew I couldn't do it. I would have the idea. And I got back to Temecula and the idea became a reality. And I called it Reality Rally because this idea became a reality. The reality was that at that time, the, the economy wasn't great. The reality is that cancer is a real problem. Um, the reality is that there's a cure out there, there's good treatment, which Michelle's Place provides, and then rally, so many people were going to rally to help make it happen. So we just had, well, we were supposed to have our 10th year, um, but we will again, but 10 years of producing a three-day event in Temecula, we have uh, a winery event at Wilson Creek Winery where people can gather and meet reality stars. Um, play blackjack poker, do live band karaoke, just fun, restaurants to provide food. And I'm so blessed that people come on board as sponsors and and volunteers to help make it happen. And there's over four or 500 people that make this happen every year. And then we have a crazy lip sync showdown. And then we have an amazing race type game all over Old Town. So that's sort of it in a nutshell. But the bottom line of it is, and this was the idea that came to me in my head in the jungle of Gabon. Have a fundraiser for a worthy charity and keep it local so that you know it's touching people that are in the area that you're in. Um, and also we could reach out to others that may want information. It would promote Temecula. It would have fun for people to come and have the opportunity to meet reality stars and to have fun. And also to be part of something big because most people don't want to take on something huge, but everybody's very interested in being part of something. And one of my taglines is an Edmund Burke saying, um, the greatest mistake that a person can make is he who does nothing because they can only do a little. So Reality Rally is big because of many people doing their little to make it happen. And it happens every May. So thank you. I And, and uh, Rich, uh, you've certainly been a big part of that as well. And thank you and all the others who do this. So, yeah, thanks for asking me about Reality Rally. You know that's my big passion. Um, Jillian, one, of, one of the things that impresses me the most about the way you have arranged Reality Rally is that there's an investment by the reality stars themselves. Typically, you have over 100 stars that participate each year but it's not a free ride for them they also have to invest their time and effort into it and 
please tell um, our listeners what do they what is expected of them to participate. Um, yes, thank you for asking that because that's very important. Um, this isn't just a huge fun three day fun weekend uh, reunion for reality stars. It is. But the big part of that is that the reality stars who are invited and included actually have to raise what I think is a fairly small amount in order to be here. They have to raise money for Michelle's place. This is a fundraiser. There's a D on that word fun. Um, it's a fundraiser. It's not just a party weekend. Um, so they do have to raise money to be here. Uh, we cover some of their expenses with uh, generous sponsorships that we have and or ticket sales. Um, and then they do give of their time. We pay nobody. I've had some people say, well, I have an appearance fee. And I said, well, sorry, you're not here. Um, and so it has to be. Otherwise, we would be flooded with people uh, from reality TV shows just coming for the really good fun party weekend. Um, but they do have to raise money in order to what I consider qualify, otherwise they're eliminated. Uh, I know that's kind of a harsh word, but um, they, 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 being any reality star, um, has to raise money. And I personally, even though I'm running and coordinating and producing this event, I personally require of myself to raise money for Michelle's place in addition to what I'm doing, raising money by having the event, because I do not ask other people to do something that I would not do. Um, so, yeah, they have to raise money to be here, um, and they willingly do it. Many, many, many are return uh, reality stars who come back every year because they know the value of it. And during the weekend, I mentioned the three fun events, and for me, the most valuable of that is uh, of, of the weekend is the reality stars pay a visit to Michelle's place where they can meet the Watson family, the founders, um, they can meet the director, Kim. They can um, see the facility. They meet the volunteers. They meet the, the staff that work there. And they see why they raise money and come and help others raise money for Michelle's place. Um, so, yeah, it's not, a, it's not just a party. It's a fundraiser. From our studios in Los Angeles, our guest is a 73-year-old young lady that was born and raised in South Africa during apartheid. Tell us about Mabel. Oh, Rich, that gives me goosebumps every time I hear that word. Um, as you just mentioned, uh, I grew up in South Africa and my father was a doctor on a fairly small town. So we lived a very colonial type lifestyle. Uh, it was a dynamite factory. Those that might be listening that know South Africa, the town was Modifantine. And uh, I had a nanny and from the time I was probably too little to remember. Um, and actually, I did have one prior to Mabel, but I was still a baby and very, very small. But once I became a child, maybe four, uh, Mabel came into my life. And Mabel was a wonderful African woman who spent her time with me and my two brothers, however, mostly me, it seems. Um, and she instilled in me the most amazing philosophy, which is the African philosophy of Ubuntu, which is the philosophy of I am you, you are me, we are because of each other. And that has been one of my guiding stars for my, the rest of my life um, in, in how I like to treat people, how I believe in people. 
she taught me that the the power of understanding diversity and i mean this is a, i'm a child and i didn't realize it at the time but as i grew older i could see the impact that she had on me um the power that one has of knowing people accepting people and remember this is during apartheid and mabel was my nanny um i didn't know that there was any real difference other than she was my nanny and I wasn't. I mean, I was being taken care of. Um, but she taught me African songs. She taught me about the the African situation without being too heavy, because I certainly wouldn't have understood it. But she was a big part of my life. Um, she basically raised me uh, because that's what nannies do is they take care of their charges and she did an amazing job. But mainly, I wish that I could tell her now as a 73-year-old woman what she instilled in me and hopefully I've been able to instill in other people with the, you know, the understanding of, of, of Ubuntu and to live a life of Ubuntu. Um, which is something very important to me. So yeah, that that was Mabel, and she taught me songs that I've sung um, ever since. I probably butcher the African language a little bit, but I still sing a lot of them. Thank you for asking about Mabel. It always gives me goosebumps. Anybody that's a friend of Jillian realizes that Mabel has left her watermark on you, Jillian. In 1999, you stood outside Nelson Mandela's empty jail cell. Please describe that moment. Oh, my gosh, that gives me goosebumps as well, Rich. Um, I was traveling uh, with my family. We went, and then my daughter and I stayed a little longer. We'd gone down to South Africa, which we didn't do very often because uh, it was expensive to get there, etc. But we went out to Robben Island, and the tours were being led by previous um, pe people that had been in jail. And remember, it was a political uh, jail, where they put people, the, the apartheid government put people away so that they wouldn't infect the country. And it was led, I had the most wonderful guide, his name was Patrick. Um, and he took us through, told us all about the where and the what and what had happened everywhere. It was the most impactful tour because it brought to mind exactly what we'd been hearing about, and obviously now apartheid had been abolished. And I clearly remember he said, uh, somebody asked him, you know, how can you talk so freely about, and now at this stage we're standing outside of Mandela's cell, which was a small, very small area, enough for a mattress on the floor, a bucket as a toilet, and um, I think maybe there was a chair, if I remember correctly. And then the the bars on the window that he would stand and look out of all the time into what he knew would become a rainbow country uh, for South Africa being all nations. And somebody said, how can you talk so gently about all what you and the others went through here? And he said, and he, they said, we don't see any hate or anything in, in your discussion with us. And he said, hate will never, ever win over you can't you can't kill hate with hate you have to take care of hate with with love and i just thought how true is that hate doesn't do anything um it, it's love and love in such a broad sense anyway that would then take 
the world forward from there on. But that was, I still remember thinking, my gosh, that man spent 28 years, not all 28 years right there, but most of them. Um, but what an impactful man. He also has been one of my guiding stars with all of his writings and his his whole being. He was pretty significant in the peaceful transition into um, the new South Africa from apartheid. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a big part of my life as well. Have, have you ever had the chance to meet him? Well, no, actually, I haven't. But I had a very exciting opportunity to be in the same area as him. Um, a friend of ours was at the government school, the School of Government in Boston, and I was living in Connecticut at the time. And uh, he contacted me and said, hey, I have two tickets. Nelson Mandela has been given an honorary doctorate at um, Harvard. And I've got two tickets. Would you like them? Well, of course I wanted them. I said, absolutely. Now I was working the night shift. So I, my daughter and I were going to go together. She was living in Boston. I hopped on the, I drove up I hopped to her uh, apartment. I caught the train and then got to Harvard. And we sat for about five hours waiting to go into the quad. And oh my gosh, it was absolutely amazing. He was probably about, 20 rows on the stage from where I was and what a wonderful, gentle, caring, loving man. And two things um, struck me. One is he was talking about a story about a little girl that came to the door and knocked on his door and said, you know, uh, you know, I want to talk to you. She was about six. And he said, oh, you're a cheeky little girl, which means you've got the nerve, but he was doing it with a smile. So when this whole event ended, I wanted to leap over all the chairs and run up and tell him, hey, I'm also a cheeky woman and I would love to <laughs> shake your hand and talk to you. But I just couldn't do it. And that's one of my regrets. I think, why didn't I do that? Um, but also the other part was, which is still imprinted in my brain, um, they had the, the Boston University Choir, the Harvard University Choir, in their gowns, and they had an African um, dance and choir group. And at, it must have been at a certain time, well, or they just made it happen, but the bells of Harvard were ringing out as the um, African uh, choir was singing the Nash, South African national anthem in African, in the African language, which is part of our national anthem from South Africa now. And this, the Boston choir, the Harvard choir was singing the U.S. national anthem in England, in English. And oh my God, was that powerful. So yeah, an amazing opportunity and experience. Jillian, looking back and having regret that you didn't make that attempt to go see him reminds me of an expression that you use often. And if I remember it correctly, it goes something to fear is temporary regret is a lifetime or forever absolutely. absolutely fear is temporary but what is fear what is it what is it that's keeping you back and in this case what kept me back from running up to that stage other than thinking maybe the bodyguards would have dragged me down <laughs> and but they would what have is it? and they would have uh, but if i was maybe not Maybe not. Do we really know what is going to happen if we take a chance? But boy, the regret is permanent. I am, so, and this was, gosh, like, I don't know, 30 years ago. Um, 
or 40 years ago, I can't remember. Um, but boy, I'm so sorry I didn't take that opportunity when that, what I felt the door was open because I was there. Jillian, let me ask you something. What do you want your friends to think of you? Gosh, other than them thinking I'm crazy with all my crazy fun ideas. Um, basically, I just hope people look back and think that I was I was fun. And I always try to make sure that people were part of whatever we were doing and made a difference in their lives and, and everyone's lives. This is how I live. I hope that I can help other people thrive and 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 do the best that they can be in, in, in their life. So, yeah, I know they're going to think, oh, yeah, she was crazy, but um, always on top of whatever opportunity was offered um, and included them. Which I I've believe, done. yeah, I believe all of us have an element of craziness to us. So uh, you put yourself out there uh, large and front row. So you you could be accused of being crazy, but in a terrific way. You also, at the core of Jillian, you have a, a, a philosophy of dream it, believe it, prepare for it, and in your words, do it. And I believe that you bring that to the table every day of your life. I do think I do that, and I hope so, because, you know, that's what it's all about, is that take life by the, the horns. This isn't a practice run. And we all have a dream that we want to do something. We want to be able to accomplish something significant in whatever regards. Maybe it isn't becoming having a cure for cancer or something huge, but we all have a dream and take it. And But you have to believe it and you have to prepare for it and then you will do it. There's no doubt about it as long as you've gone through those steps. And those steps may take quite a few years many years. But if you're focused enough, I do believe that whatever it is that you feel you want to do, and sometimes your path moves a little. I thought my path, well, this is, you know, the latter part, my path was taking me to get on a TV show Survivor, and I could never understand why. But the path deviated a little, and it took me in another direction um, of doing so much more using that experience. So yeah, absolutely. Everybody should dream it and believe it and prepare for it, and then you will do it. I would say that when you said that your plan deviated a little is probably the understatement of our conversation. You, you seem to be somebody that just looks to what you can be, not what you were. And that's just, you recharge your batteries every day, and it's, it's an amazing way to look at life. Let's talk about TED Talks. You were invited as a guest speaker to participate in the TEDx Talk. And to me, I admire that. That, to me, is a huge accomplishment. Here's a short clip of your talk. Oh, good grief! Aren't you a little old to be here? I heard muttered from the back of the room. I'd been standing in the interview line for over seven hours waiting for my turn to interview with 800 other people. And it wasn't my first. 
nor was it my second interview. It was actually my 20th application over eight years to get on the TV show Survivor. <laughs> so, in case you don't know what Survivor is, it's that reality TV show where they take 18 strangers who don't know each other and they put them in a remote location to, without supplies to survive the elements, uh, the challenges, and each other, and only one will survive. So isn't that so absurd that I would keep trying to do that for eight years? Well, I couldn't even explain it to myself. But what I did know was I wanted to prove that at 61, I could. So others might have left the room after a rude comment like that, but I didn't. I stood my ground, and I looked at him in the face, and I said, I will age, but I will never be old. Well, that absolutely was a wonderful opportunity. And again, it's one of those things, you see a door and you're invited to walk through it and you do, and that's what I did when I was invited to do the TED Talk in Temecula. So it was a TEDx Temecula. And I wanted it again to use it as an opportunity to share with the audience, obviously in the theater, but then a global audience, because then I know it's available on YouTube, is to talk about, and the title of it is, how not to use age as a barrier to what you can do. I don't think that's the exact title, but um, it started out because I'm 73, as you have mentioned, um, that I don't let age stop me. And it never has from the time I was five, which is part of my TED talk. Um, no matter what your age is, but it started out with me trying to share that if whatever your age is old, if you're older, don't let it stop you. Your life isn't over. It's just beginning that phase. But then I realized I didn't want to just focus on older. I wanted it to be younger and older at any age. So I did take that opportunity to share um, uh, fr from that stage, and now obviously on YouTube, um, that it doesn't matter what age you are. Take it and run with it. But then again, it goes with the dream it, believe it, prepare for it, and then you will do it. Um, and also, I do believe, and people should believe, that we will all age, but we'll never be old. Uh, so, yeah, that's I love that opportunity, even though I wasn't too keen on the memorization part, because I like to speak from my heart, but I needed to stay within TED format. I'm pleased to say that I was in the audience, and throughout the day in various speakers, Jillian's talk ended with a standing ovation in a full house. You can learn more about visiting Reality Rally at realityrally.com or jillianlarson.com. That's Jillian with a G. Links will be provided below. Jillian, let me ask you a question. This is my signature question that I ask of every guest. If you could know the absolute and total truth sitting down privately in a conversation with one living individual, who would that person be? Well, I have to give that a little bit of uh, thought um, because I clearly would have liked to have picked Mandela, but you did say living. Um, so currently, I 
would love to sit down with Dr. Fauci. I would love to talk with him and know more about who he is and all that goes with him. So I think it would be Dr. Anthony Fauci. Does that come in part because of your um, medical background, being a nurse for many years? Absolutely right, actually. That hit the nail on the head. Um, it is because I was a nurse for like 36, 30, I'm still a nurse. <laughs> You're never not a nurse. Um, but yeah, the clinical part of this whole pandemic that we're in um, and being a nurse, yes, absolutely. I would love to know more from that medical standpoint uh, of his. But yeah, I was a nurse, an active nurse for about, I don't know, 38 years or 40 years or something. Um, and uh, that too, actually, if I have one more second to say, my nursing training in South Africa under the sort of the British style of medical nursing training is another thing that's held me in good stead all my life. It taught me discipline. It taught me that what I do matters, um, that what we do in the healthcare matters. And if we don't do it well, then people die. And uh, so it taught me that life matters and discipline matters and knowing being prepared matters. Um, so yeah, that's what I'd like to do. Next year will mark the 10-year anniversary of Reality Rally. Throughout those nine years that you have put your heart and soul in, is there one particular moment that will always be etched in your heart? I think from the beginning, I remember thinking, because this was a huge, grandiose thought and idea, and I looked around at all of the people that had come to be part of it. And like I said, there are a good three, four, five hundred people in many ways. And I still remember thinking, wow, we did it and we'll do it. And I just was fascinated that what you really believe in your head and dream about can actually happen. And that's what I thought, wow, build it and they do come. Um, but you've got to believe that. And yeah, that, I still remember that very thought standing um, in front of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people thinking, wow, it happened. Jillian, what do you have written down in pencil for your future? Well, <laughs> I have a lot of things. I've just, I'm making a goal list for my future going forward. And I think there are about 200 items on it. However, I realize that that's a little much. Um, so I'm paring it down. I really would like, to, I do speaking engagements. And once we're out of quarantine, because I'm staying in elder jail, uh, I would really like to get out and do more speaking engagements because I do know that my story, and it's not all about survivor. It's all about surviving life and circumstances and being the best you can be no matter what your age is young or old and the young people listen to me because I was on tv I mean it's not because I've got a word of wisdom or two um, and older people can associate themselves with seeing who I am I really really would like to do more speaking um, than I have done and I've probably done nearly 500 speaking engagements already but that's what I really really want to do more of knowing that what I can say to people might, and I know it does, have an impact on what they can do. 
Dream it, believe it, prepare for it, do it. It's been an honor to sit down with you, Jillian. I thank you. And remember, it's realityrally.com or jillianlarson.com. Thank you for joining us. See you next time.